We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think I have finally figured out everybody's saying I'm sounding echoey. There we go. They hear both of you. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So this is what happens when, number one, I use my uh, AirPods and it changes the output. uh, And then I have to find an entirely new one. I tried to be one of the cool kids because I got sick and tired of my uh, wired headset being a nightmare. Uh, so, everybody, thanks for coming in. Uh, the, the usual BS session will be cut down a few minutes here just because uh, I BSed and messed around. Luis, Eric, James, Daniel, J. Allen, Clark, Damon's in Portland. Eric, I think I missed anybody, anybody in, in chat. Tristan. Uh, this is Justin Rowan alongside uh, Brandon Sprague and I. Justin Rowan is the host of the Chase Down podcast. Uh, now, is it the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers? Is that the... the we're, we we're part of the Cavs media family. They've got go. a few podcasts. They, they're putting out some good content as well, and we are uh, just a part of that mosaic. That, oh, there you go. I like that. I like that, a mosaic. Um, <laughs> as, as everybody assumes that the Cleveland Cavaliers are just a work of art. It's, just, it's in progress. It's like painting you know? the Sistine Chapel. You don't, you don't do it in one night, right? Exactly, and it's in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> and you know what? Hopefully we, uh, we help educate people and help them hmm. see the beauty that is that Cavs roster. Oh, God. Boy. Sounds like us up here in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, real quick, Sprague, welcome back from Hawaii. You, yeah. Uh, nothing happened while you were gone. We don't have Justin on the podcast because absolutely nothing happened while you were gone. Yes, it was, uh, I w- it was nice to unplug and then come back to see nothing had happened, <laughs> that there had been no NBA trade, that Ben Simmons was still a sixer, and the mm. Cleveland Cavaliers are still the Cleveland Cavaliers. Except for they aren't the Cleveland Cavaliers anymore because they don't have Larry Nance Jr., very I, I, I think they are still the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, well, Danny, we knew that at some point you would have me on to talk about the trade of a Cavs power forward to the Portland Trailblazers, <laughs> and here we go. It's not always going to be a trade. So for, <laughs> for anybody wondering, yes, we are talking about Kevin Love, and yes, Justin and I have yelled back and forth at each other at how stupid every single C.J. McCollum for Kevin Love trade has been for <laughs> five, five years, six years? It, it's been a little while. It's, yeah. been a, it's been a while for sure. Um, I, I do enjoy Cavs fans uh, kind of pining, or a certain segment of Cavs fans pining for C.J. McCollum while not appreciating what Colin Sexton brings to the table, which seems like a fundamental un- misunderstanding <laughs> of what these players are bringing to the table, their respective ages, how they fit the young core, etc. It, it has been something part. that has 
it, it's uh, it's gone stuck in my teeth a few times over the years. Mm. Would you say it's stuck in your craw? Yeah, stuck in my craw for sure. <laughs> I'm just glad that Portland got the better power forward out of the deal. This is this is listen. To be honest, for the right now time, Larry Nance Jr. was the best player in this trade. We're we're all agreed across that board, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like Larry Nance was by far, in my opinion. I shouldn't say by far, but in my opinion, he was the most impactful player for the Cavs last season when he was healthy. There was yes. those first 17 games, really, that he played prior to suffering an injury against the Knicks where he hurt his shooting hand. Uh, after that, uh, he had some illness issues, other injuries, like just a really unlucky season for him where he missed a considerable amount of time. And when he did come back, wasn't necessarily as effective as he had been pre-injury, but when the Cavs had their really impressive stretch to, to start the season where, hey, they are in a playoff seating, they're the sixth seed, uh, they're top ten defense. Larry Nance played a, an important part of that uh, early season success and was an integral part of the team on and off the court. So I, I think uh, acknowledging how good and impactful he's been is really important to do on the front end. Yeah, but Justin, you, you would acknowledge you're talking to Portland fan right now and what kept Larry Nance out for the full season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Injuries don't sit well here. That's the one thing I, I think leaves a lot of people like, you know? I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I understand that. I understand the baggage that comes with that. There was a time uh, back in my younger days where I would always have that Western Conference team that I pulled for, and Portland was it. Uh, Portland was that team that I really loved. You know, Rudy Fernandez playing with him in 2K, Brandon Roy. I've had wine with Brandon Roy talking about that playoff game. It, it, one, of, one of my favorite moments that I've ever had was uh, drinking wine with Brandon Roy. You need to go into this right now. You got to dive in. We okay. need to hear the story. Yeah. So the, the story was uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves were playing the Pistons, a uh, preseason game in Winnipeg. And I got very oh drunk my with my friends God. at the game. And we happened to be sitting behind um, a couple people from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, which is the CFL team up here, a trainer and his family. And the kids were asking questions, and me and my buddy were kind of filling them in on the questions and whatnot. And the guy turned around, and he's like, I have these, like, I'm here with my family. I can't use them. I have these, like, after-party passes. So he gave them to me and my friend. We go down there, and we're with the football players in Winnipeg, like, open bar, getting drunk, and then all of a sudden the Timberwolves roll in at the time with Clyde Drexler and the Larry O'Brien trophy. So we are dr way too drunk to start talking to all these NBA players, but you know what? I sat down with Matt Devlin, who had called that game uh, that Brandon Roy had played, uh, and he was calling the game in Winnipeg, and we were talking about that playoff experience, just kind of sitting there. Uh, my buddy asked Karolenko uh, <laughs> if he was going to use his pass in uh, Winnipeg that yes. night. Uh, yes. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it was. This was a long, long time ago, as yeah. you can probably tell by Brandon Roy being on the Timberwolves. But that was uh, that was one of the. We don't highest, recognize that time period. <laughs> one of the highest heights of uh, my sports fandom was that night. Can I give a, sh a special shout out to your friend? Because I'll be honest with you, if I saw Andre Kirilenko, the only question I'd want to ask is when he was using the hall pass. Yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was that, and also mentioning that he had drafted him in fantasy that year. So it was, you know, Just probably the two perfect. least favorite things that he's asked about is fantasy uh, basketball and the pass. So yeah. I, I'm I, I'm sure he really enjoyed that. Okay, so like for anybody that doesn't know, number one, Brandon is like my guy. That's my that's my my ride or die Blazer guy. There's been a lot to that. So 
I'm entirely jealous of this <laughs> because I, I will not name the uh, local TV sports person uh, that screwed me out of a one-on-one -on -one interview with Brandon Roy in his rookie year. Uh, I hold that grudge incredibly deeply. So Say the name. I can't tell. I can't <laughs> tell. <laughs> so I, I, we'll, we'll, get, we'll spill that name at some point in time. Uh, but just shout out to everybody who's coming into the stream now. It's always funny. It's usually like the first five, ten minutes. Everybody's just It's kind of like being at the club. Nobody's ever really <laughs> early. And then it's usually about 15, 20 minutes in. It's just like, oh, we're doing this now. Uh, there you go. We'll get into the Nance stuff and then the Simmons stuff. But the Blazers also announced another signing um, or a training camp invite. And there's this gem. Uh, <laughs> one of uh, Sprague's coworkers, Mike Lynch, reminded me of this wonderful, wonderful tweet from Dennis <laughs> Smith Jr. from 2012. Everybody has God-given talents. Mine just so happens to be slanging this wood in my pants. So, listen, shout out DSJ. And that circles right back to Kirilenko. <laughs> hey, how do you think they measured that talent at the combine? Uh, without shoes. No, nice. Yeah. They just turned, they just turned the, the vertical measurement upside down. It, it's hard to take that measurement when pants are on, so I'm oh, thinking that's what, that was during the without shoes portion of the <laughs> evening. I listen, man. NBA player tweets from their like early teens is its own Twitter niche that is just it is a hellscape, but it <laughs> yeah. is a gift that keeps on giving. Speaking of gifts, somebody just gifted somebody, Damus Portland, uh, on the Twitch side, uh, a tier one sub. So thank you guys, appreciate that. Uh, for those that don't know, this is Justin Rowan with the Chase Down Pod at Cavsanada. Uh, the probably one and only uh, crossover Winnipeg Blue Bomber Cleveland Cavaliers diehards. Like, you've got it's, that market cornered, right? It's pretty niche. I mean, looking behind me right now, I have the uh, Bombers 2019 championship. I got the Cavs, a piece of the Cavs championship floor 2016. Oh, and, oh that, that, and, that, that's a bit of a flex. Yeah, oh, of course. That's a pretty cool one. And, and then, of course, the Sex Land poster. And now the Cavs are officially recognizing yeah. that. They are. They are. Uh, you you they might have tweeted, missed they it. They tweeted the, the, not, the banner today. You're, see, you're excited about that, Dan. But it actually made the second half of the season intro video where they had oh. a video of Sexton dunking the ball. And as the ball was crossing over, it turned and it said, Welcome to Sexland. Oh. And that would play in the arena every oh, single game. And the fact that that actually gained traction is just one of those beautiful things. I mean, it's, it's 100% like, just embrace it. Like, yeah, some people are going to be like, oh, that's that's cheesy and, and amateurish. No, it's fun. It's fun. Amateurish, come on. It's one, of the, it's one of the best nicknames in sports. Like, it genuinely is. It's just fun. So and from wait, my Justin, perspective, like, oh, go ahead. Do you have it? Do you have Sexland tattooed right here? I do not. No. Okay, not yet. Okay, all right. <laughs> You, no tattoos. This is strictly for buckets, man. Um, <laughs> you, you know, a, a big part of what we like to do on the podcast is just kind of keep everything in perspective and remember that it's sports and it's entertainment. So right. anytime there's something that we can latch on to that makes it fun, that makes it enjoyable, that reminds people like why we all are tuning in in the first place. That, that's always been one of our biggest things. And I'm just lucky enough that so much of the NBA media just kind of forgets to have fun and forgets to enjoy the game because yeah. it creates a lane for someone like me that just kind of, you know, really loves basketball. That's enthusiastic. I'm not coming at it as like, I'm uh, an analytics expert or a former coach or player or, or someone that's looking to build a career as a journalist. Like I, I'm, I'm here to have fun. I'm here to have conversations. Maybe the listeners learn a thing or two alongside me because I, I got a curious mind and we get good interviews and whatnot. But at the end of the day, man, like anything that just 
like brings people together, gets them to laugh and have some fun while watching basketball is uh, very much up my alley. Yeah, Ball having LeBron life, James doesn't hurt either. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. true. It's, it's a good it's a good place to start. I mean, oh. uh, but. Uh, we're not talking about LeBron James. We are talking about Larry Nance Jr. Uh, and I promised the good people that we'd bring on somebody who covered Larry Nance Jr.'s entire career in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, as somebody who got to see him up close and personal, um, give me your 30,000 foot to all the way down to the minutia when you're, when you're talking about Larry Nance Jr.'s game. I mean, one of the things that really jumps out, so we've been fortunate enough to have him on the podcast twice. Mm -hmm. Uh, He helped us with our season preview last year, and he helped us with our series that recapped the 2016 championship and kind of talked about the experience in 2018, watching 2016 as a Cavs fan uh, as well. Like, So he's someone that we've had the opportunity to talk to, which is really nice. But the thing that always jumps out to me with Larry is his intelligence. Like, he is one of those guys that really sees the game at a high, high level and on both ends of the floor. Um, uh, One of the main things that I think really separates kind of young players that uh, play the front court uh, are good defenders early in their career and the guys that really master it and make a larger impact uh, from a team perspective is the ability to communicate. When you're that backline guy, you are basically the quarterback of the defense. You're the point guard of the defense. And whether it be at the center, whether it be at power forward, he's always one of those vocal leaders on the floor that's pointing things out, making people better. Stuff that doesn't really show up in the stat sheet, that is exactly who Larry Nance is. And he's one of those glue guys that I think any competing team needs. So the fact that he goes to a team like Portland that has established talent, that's had success, um, obviously it's bittersweet to see him go. Uh, for all the reasons I've listed. Yeah. But at the same time, like you, you can't help but feel good for the guy uh, ending up in this situation. I, I think it, it's something that's really going to help Portland out. Justin, was it, was it difficult for him at all uh, to adjust from playing with LeBron to playing with youngsters? Like I know his position didn't change, but the role and what he's asked to do and kind of the way he plays, how much that changed and him being able to identify that and adapt to that change quickly. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely a factor. I, I think it was a factor for both he and Kevin Love, really, when you're coming off of the finals and all of a sudden you're in a totally different situation. Um, I, I know Channing Fry has spoken out about this. Uh, mm-hmm. Love's talked about it. Richard Jefferson. Um, well, I guess not RJ, but um, the following season, I guess there was an intention to compete, like to, to see how they could do without LeBron being present. And then Kevin Love, messes up his foot in the preseason needs surgery and misses the first three months of the year so at that point like you understand for the veterans that it was really frustrating to go from a situation where they thought okay let's at least see what we can do maybe maybe we won't make the playoffs but let's give it an honest try to the decision to retool and kind of replenish the cupboard being made for them because if you're losing lebron and kevin love and you've already lost kyrie the fall uh, the previous season you're not making the playoffs. That decision has been made for you. So I think it was definitely an adjustment period. You saw some of the pieces that would come out at that time, uh, the players being the veteran players being frustrated with Colin Sexton and the mistakes he was making as a very, very raw rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an adjustment period. Uh, Larry, he went from playing the 4-5 to playing primarily 4, then playing some threes, playing like he, he's been all up and down kind of the, the depth chart in different positions and asked to fill a bunch of different roles. And that's got to be something that's frustrating, especially because 
Yeah, he had some success in 2018 going to the finals, but he was still really young and early in his career. And to not have that kind of stability um, it had to have been something that would weigh on him. I, I just assumed like that that would make the situation a little more difficult uh, for him to manage. One of the things you said there, and I'll, I'll, peek, I'll give a little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, when I was watching just endless amounts of Cavs tape, which is just God bless you in, in watching that team last year. Um, there, there were certain, certainly some things that uh, were, were difficult to watch with a young team. But a couple of things were, when I was watching Nance, you hit on. He does not have patience for um, mistakes that are preventable, I think mm-hmm. is a good way to put that. Pulled the young guys aside a lot. Particularly yeah. in the early part of that season, you know, I, I highlighted in, in a video that I did the other day. There was one where he had Sexton working on a short side uh, pick and roll. They cleared the corner. He didn't switch, and he got caught guarding, you know, the same man as Nance. It turns into an empty play and a foul on the back end. But you can see Larry go, "Nah, man, what are you mm-hmm. doing?" And and trying to like, the Blazers have not had anybody, anybody on this team in, I don't know, Brandon, what seven, eight, nine years. It's, it's, been a, it's been a minute. When was the last time they had a hard ass that would address something on the floor? <laughs> would you say Wes? Wes, is, uh, that's where I was going to go. Is like, I mean, and, that's my best guess. And even then, Wes would kind of wait until they got to the bench. You didn't see Wes go knife hands on guys all that often. Larry went knife. Larry played 35 games. He went knife hands at least six and a half times a game, mm-hmm. whether it's offensive end, defensive end. You can see him you know, calling for the ball in the middle of the floor when a pick and roll with – you know, Exum and Drummond was completely sideways. Like, get me the damn ball. Everything right now is broken as hell. And mm-hmm. he, when I watch him, the thing that stands out most about him is what you said. Number one, intelligence. He understands the game probably better than anybody I've seen in a long time as far as role players go. You usually get that with high-end, elite-level players. But more than that, he understands flow of the game. Yeah. And that's... That's something I think is a really, really, really rare commodity in the NBA at, at mm-hmm. every level. And I think that's the thing that the Blazers are going to get the most out of when you when you look at him and how he fits in Portland. The, the likelihood is he is going to play 25, 26 minutes a night. I think that's probably mm-hmm. where, he, where he ends up. He's and, gonna... and it's probably good for him to, to keep him fresh to, to prevent injuries and whatnot. Like you want to keep, you want to get twenty six really impactful yes. minutes from Larry Nance mm-hmm. rather than riding him into the ground. Because what I've noticed is, is there's um, back and forth issues with um, small injuries, not a, not yeah. a ton of random, uh, like random, n- nothing really reoccurring. It's just been really unfortunate luck for the most part. Yeah. I mean, last season was the the worst. Like possible, yeah. like you you look at the Cavs season, the the injuries that they suffered it just was, piled up. It was near the top of the league. It was top three for sure, and a big chasm between some of those other teams below them. So you look at that, and you want to keep his minutes down ever so slightly. Yeah, and in that regard, when you're looking at his fit with this team, what is optimize Larry Nance Jr. look like as far as his role, what to expect from him, how to really put him in the best possible position to succeed. I think in a lot of ways it's almost similar to Draymond. Like you you want him to be someone that is that release valve for Dame and CJ. Uh, you talk about like him speaking out on the court and I, I think people automatically assume that's a negative. No, that's something that's a that good one, thing. 
that the Cavs are going to miss that. Like you, that's something I want to see from Jared Allen is him being that vocal guy. Like if you see someone miss their assignment, you point that out because otherwise, you're, those mistakes are just going to compound throughout the game. Maybe you bring it up in a film session, but like you want that to occur on the court. You want to address those issues as they come up. So in a lot of ways, Larry's another one of those guys like Draymond that wears his heart on his sleeve. That Look at the, the Bucks. You, you've got P.J. Tucker. You've got Drew. You've, you've got Middleton. All three and, of those and, guys and are And I think people get scared of that because it turns into a Twitter clip maybe where it's like, oh, so-and-so hates being Draymond Cleveland. Or so-and-so hates this player or yeah. other narratives can spiral. But at the end of the day, like – players don't care about that like it, it's that that's a real positive so I, I think you're going to have someone out there that's really holding these guys accountable that that's going to point things out uh he's someone that can make things easier for damon cj like when you give it to him at, at the top of the key he's able to create for himself he's able to drive to the basket he's able to to dish it off dribble handoff um he, he's really going to open up things if the, the Portland coaching staff wants to get creative and utilize him in that way. Uh, he also creates opportunities for himself. He, he's not a high usage player. He's someone, like you said, Dan, that feels the game. He, he senses the flow and he's going to do everything on the court to maintain that flow. So I, I think what you're really looking at is a connecting piece. I, I think that's what Larry really brings to the table. I, I think the thing that you hit on there, Justin, that was valuable. It's like, can you name a great, a truly great team in this league that doesn't have somebody that holds the team accountable in the moment? And, like, I thought of a great team that doesn't, and I think it kind of hurt them, it, Philly. Philly doesn't have somebody yeah. that really barks at somebody on Green the Green is the well. only guy. Danny Green yeah. is the only guy, and he went down. Right, yeah. he went down, and, you know, just Joel saves his comments for the post game. Every other team, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, the Lakers, Phoenix, like these teams have mm-hmm. people that will hold each other accountable on the court. My question for you, though, would be, I, I guess I see why they'd maybe want to take on Markkinen, mm-hmm. give him a new setting, see what he can tap into. Why, why, did, why, did, they, why did they deal Larry Nance, you think, yeah. at Cleveland? Yeah, so, I, I mean, part of it is what he disclosed in his open letter, which was that he had spoken to management and said, hey, if there's something that's mutually beneficial, I wouldn't mind going to a playoff team. And I, I think some of the... It's funny to say this when you're not a good team, but in a lot of ways, Larry Nance was a bit of a luxury because you're likely going to be starting Evan Mobley because you've invested so much draft capital in him. Larry's coming in off of the bench, and that second unit playmaking and whatnot, like that's a reps I'd actually like Mobley to have. Like He's going to make more mistakes. He, he's not as experienced as Larry. But like, that's where the team's at. You're going to have the growing pains, but I'd sub Mobley and Sexton out right away and have them work with the second unit work with the veteran like Rubio go through those growing pains and like yeah the the Cavs weren't good on either end but the offense was really brutal last year and the only breath of fresh air was April where they went from bottom of the league in three-point attempts to 13th their offensive rating went up and that was because that's when Kevin Love actually returned to the lineup in a lot of ways, Laurie Markkinen isn't replacing Larry Nance. He's replacing what they need from Kevin Love, but aren't really able to count on him at this point in his career. I know people assume it's similar to like Blake Griffin in Detroit, and the first chance he'll he's playing with another team, he's just going to look healthy and whatnot. But Kevin Love didn't look good for Team USA. Like the the it's sad reality. 
this, uh, he, yeah, he went home because he's not healthy. That Achilles has been an issue. And if Kevin Love was going to sit out a season, it probably would have been the previous years, not the first year where for the first quarter of the season, they were actually having team success. It probably killed him to miss out on that most competitive part. So the Cavs are kind of, when you move Larry Nance for Larry Markkinen, what you're doing is you're definitely lowering your floor. But I, I think what they're looking at with Laurie is someone that can maximize both Jared Allen and Evan Mobley playing with them. He's, he's going to help your investments that you've already made in those guys. He's going to give Darius Garland someone to actually kick out to, give Colin Sexton a little more spacing. And hopefully you see a, them run a more modern offense as they were able to in April with someone that's less effective than Laurie at this time. Now, the downside is there. There's injury risk with Laurie. He hasn't been an impactful player to this point in his career. But what he has done to this point in his career is something that they really need to juice the offense. So you're really you're swapping offense for defense. You're hoping that the additions of Mobley and Rubio help make up for some of what you missed defensively. It's a gamble. It's sending Larry to a great situation. Uh, he gets to watch the Browns with CJ and hopefully compete in the playoffs uh, <laughs> alongside them as well. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I think it's, it's a calculated risk. There's definite downside there. Um, but you're also hoping that, hey, Laurie Markkinen, someone that, if you look at the advanced stats, is a really good off-ball player that finishes well off of cuts, does a lot of other things that weren't really shown in Chicago because he never played with a point guard. In his entire career in Chicago, he never really played with a point guard. So you, you hope that alongside Darius Garland, Ricky Rubio, uh, some of these other guys that can create, Evan Mobley, who's a very good passer. Or, he's a very good passer, period. I don't have to say for his size. Yeah, no, you, you, can, you, you can unlock some things with him. Yeah, you, so you, you hope that, hey, this is at least, even if there's growing pain, this is going to be a little bit more of a modern offense, and we can figure out how these pieces fit together. So I, I think I, it's a gamble that I understand. It surprised the hell out of me, uh, mm -hmm. but, but I think that is my best guess of what the rationale was behind this move. So I want, I want to stop you real quick because um, I'm going to derail it because it's going to drive everybody crazy, but I want to make sure I get this in here. Um, I, I said on Twitter earlier last week, um, for the next month, all the proceeds from the podcast, from YouTube, everything else, um, is going to refugeecare.org. Uh, everything that's going on in Afghanistan, this isn't to get all serious right now, but I want to make sure I get this in here while we're, we're still talking about stuff. Um, refugeecare.org is an uh, organization in Portland that helps with refugee assistance, and there is a large contingent of Afghan refugees that are heading into Portland over the next couple of weeks. So if you guys donate to the, to the channel, if you guys sub to the channel, uh, all the money that I make from the channel as well as from the podcast, everything is going to towards that organization. So uh, if you guys want to donate, I'll have something up here uh, on the stream coming forward after this week to kind of keep track of everything. Uh, if you want, you can also go to refugeecare.org and donate directly. Um, but like I said, when we, when we when Sprague and I started this podcast, I always said that I wanted to find ways to give back. And so this is one of the ways I'm going to do that. So for everybody else out there that's listening right now, um, mm -hmm. thank you uh, so much. I, I got a bunch of great feedback already. Um, I, I hope if you have the means and have the capability and, and uh, willingness to do so that you uh, find it in your hearts to, to donate that. So uh, we'll do stuff like this pretty frequently um, as, as things go around. Um, and if there's things where we can help out and do stuff in the, uh, in the community, we'll, we'll make stuff happen. So um, back to the basketball side of things. Thank you all for being here. Uh, we have Justin Rowan from uh, the Chase Down podcast. 
um, the uh, not, not the official, but the a uh, a podcast uh, officially tagged alongside the, 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 the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> what uh, happens just, if we call it the official? Like what happens? Yeah, you know what? I'm fine with that. I, I, I like the right. sound of it. Right. The official we, podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers. We've, we've had Joe Gabriel and Roth on our podcast. Yeah, we've done go. some crossover pods and whatnot. You know what? If they want to fight, they can get these hands. I'm coming to Cleveland <laughs> in October. Just I'm put, coming just, back, baby. That border is open. I'm coming for you guys. There you, you go. The They're literally keeping you out. Yeah, so that that's what, that's mm-hmm. the only thing keeping you know keeping this from happening. You're gonna put them up on offer up these hands. There you go. <laughs> They're free. <laughs> um, when we're talking about th- this move, Larry Nance Jr. is a guy who I, I think is a is a very good player. He's something mm-hmm. the Blazers have missed for like I think Brandon hit it right on on the head since Wesley Matthews. They, they've missed that accountability guy. But the thing that I like about him, other than his IQ, is that. He greases the offense and keeps things kind of on on track defensively. But when I look at the Portland Trailblazers, while they need this player, they absolutely unequivocally need this player. And this is not a shot at Larry Nance Jr., but I have called him a floor raiser and not a ceiling raiser. Yeah. Do you, is that, do you kind of subscribe to the same thought process? Totally. I, I mean, that's basically what I was describing with adding Larry Markin and, and like making that exchange. That mm-hmm. It's a ceiling-raising trade for the Cavs where, hey, we're, we're hoping that, hey, this young team that's probably not going to play tons of defense because young guys have a learning curve on that end of the floor, we can at least juice the offense and get a little more competitive. Like The Cavs lowered their floor and raised their ceiling, whereas the Blazers, I think, raised their floor with the stability that Larry brings on and off of the court. When you're when you're looking at the impact that he could have on this team right now, if you look at all the prognostications, Vegas, this, that, or the other, the Blazers are slotted anywhere from sixth to eighth. Mm-hmm. Does does this move them out of that spot, or does it just kind of firm their hold on that six to eight? I think it firms the hold. Um, I mean, one of the things we have to discuss is Larry does miss time, like. That so does Nerd. Has, so does that has to Exactly. <laughs> that has to be factored into the equation here. I mean, you, you. I don't know if the arena was built on cursed lands or whatever the case may be, but oh, things wait. haven't been great for the Blazers in that department. Uh, um, we, You mentioned it before or alluded to it earlier. There's no real connection. It's not like there's some sort of reoccurring issue with Larry. It's been bad luck. And in all fairness, like last season was the year where he missed the most time. It was never that bad. And I think for a lot of players, like Sexton had never missed a game before in his career. When you're playing four games in five nights, and then all of a sudden you're playing it four happens. games in five nights, like there, there's going to be some wear and tear. And he missed time with a concussion. Like he missed time with an illness. Like th- there were things that were out of his control last season. So that has to be factored into the equation. Um, but just looking at it, from an outsider's perspective, I don't see this as something that gives me confidence that the Blazers can make it out of the West as a result of this move. I do think it better insulates them and keeps them maybe out of that plane, which you want to avoid at all costs. Um, but like at the end of the day, I, I really think they, they needed to take a little bit of a swing. I would have liked this move in addition to, like uh, we added Larry Nance, and like mm-hmm. we, we moved uh, CJ McCollum in a deal or whatever the case may be to, yeah. to bring in uh, a player that's a little more of a ceiling raiser. And like there's still the, there's still the possibility of that, right? Like the off season is not. Look at over. you! It's it's like it's like you do this professionally or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's it's right. a great time to be like 
oh, hey, how about the latest news from Keith Pompey mm. that Ben Simmons is not going to report to training camp and that he name-checks the Blazers. And I think there's real reason for it because uh, multiple sites that allow you to place money, wagers, bets, gambling, have the Portland Trailblazers at 2-1. to one. Woo! 2-1. Yep. Okay. The Blazers have not been 2-1 to one for anything. Ever. Ever. That number, when that came out a couple hours ago, that made me pause. Like, that, that was like, two to one? Like, we've uh, seen well, the Blazers Vegas be favorites. Vegas is historically known for giving money away. So they I, do. I, they I, get things wrong. Reg- regularly, they get things wrong. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> yeah, but see, see, Danny, we we saw the two to one. We got excited, and then Neil O'Shea went and made a bet on the Shanghai Sharks to get Ben Simmons, <laughs> not the Trailblazers. Okay, because they got twenty to one odds, and those are that's good value. That's oh, value. Hey, hey Justin, listen. this might be this might be a stupid question about Nance. We love it. I don't, do it. I, I don't know what Chauncey's going to do in terms of rotations, closing lineups, all that. How do you think he would fare playing with Nurk? Like, how do you envision his hmm. role with Nurk on the floor? I, I think it could work. So the the interesting thing, uh, just listening to Larry interview a, a couple of weeks ago, like he has made steady progress since he's joined the Cavs on his outside shot. Um, the, the volume's going up steadily. Danny, I'm, I'm sure you saw yeah. in the film, the early season three-point attempts are higher. Like you can look at the season-long Much more numbers. confident. Yeah, the, the season-long numbers aren't 
super high. It's just over three a game, right? But earlier in the year, prior to that shooting hand injury and, and everything else he went through, he, he was getting those shots up, and, and I, I think that's something that because he just can under do. four a game early in the season. And what's interesting is, and this is going to sound like it's uh, shaded, Larry, but it's not. He's got a really unauth- unorthodox shooting form. He shoots with mm-hmm. one hand. Yeah, he, he he quite literally shoots with one hand and almost takes his guide hand off the ball. It's it's very you don't notice it from the side a ton. It just it looks a little weird. But the second you see it straight on, you're like, he's shooting mm-hmm. that with one hand. What the hell is going on? It's <laughs> but he shoots it with confidence. Yeah, he shoots it with confidence. And the other thing is with Larry and Nurk together. You have two bigs that are good passers. Like you have guys that have a really, really smart vision. And yes, I know Andre Drummond right now is a bit of a, a punchline, but he was part of that Cavs early season success and was playing well. He was actually and playing Larry good wanted defense. to kill him. There were, I mean, as someone that is going to point out mistakes that were made on the floor, <laughs> yes, there were times where Larry was definitely turning to, to Drummond. But uh-huh. at the same time, Drummond was, that was probably the most effective Andre Drummond that we've seen. Yeah. And I'm sure Larry was a factor in that. So the big, Knowing the big that Larry's passing, over your shoulder going to hold you accountable matters. Right, right. So, it, I, I mean, you can look at that as a negative, and you can look at it as something that Larry brings to the table. So having two high IQ big men uh, to, to go along with what you have offensively in Dame, CJ, Dorm, like these guys that are just certified bucket getters, it's going to make things easier for one another as big men, and it's going to make things easier for the team. So I do think they can really work as a pairing. Um, personally, like I've always really liked kind of Larry working with the second unit because he's such a floor raiser. And I, I know like you guys know better than anyone, like when Dame comes out of the game or like when, when you have the starters out, definitely my, my beer bag and just right, <laughs> right. So if you have someone that can help keep those second units afloat yeah. and, and yeah. raise the floor there. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't necessarily put you over the top where you are the 2017 Golden State Warriors or anything like that. But by eliminating one of your weaknesses, which is those bench minutes, and he's, I mean, he's going to play basically starters minutes if he's playing 27 a night. But by at least playing those minutes and raising the floor there, that's going to add a few wins. Like, you're going to make Dame work a little less hard in the minutes he's out. That's the most important thing. It's, It's less about the wins and more about alleviating the pressure on Dame. And, and that's, that's the, Dave, the stuff yeah. that's really tough to quantify from a statistical perspective. I, I mean, you can kind of get a picture of it in on-off, but th- that's one of the things that Larry brings to the table that isn't going to jump out if you just you got traded to your team and you look on basketball reference. I, yeah. I think that is one yeah. of the major things that he's able to bring to the table is that he can raise that second unit floor and he can work really well with the starters. I, I just think the, the versatility he brings to the table really allows you to use him as, as a Swiss Army knife. What's his most underrated, like, on-court skill? Like, I, the leadership I hear, like, the holding teammates accountable, helping a second unit, just being a good teammate out there. Like, what's an on-court skill that's underrated for him? His hands. Um, he's really, really active in the passing lanes. Uh, I, I saw some of the post-trade analysis was kind of talking about him as a point-of-attack guy, but I, I feel like he's he's more of a help defender. He, he's someone that kind of be that glue in that way and he was leading the league in steals uh not just deflections he 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 gets the ball after he gets it loose and i I don't want to like take your thunder here but no go for it 
Watching, yeah, I mean, you did the film review. It's, I, I'm, I'm still in summer mode, man. You're working hard. Watching, <laughs> watching him, there's a difference because everyone wants to say he's Covington, he's Covington, he's Covington. Covington plays closer to the rim, dunker spot, corner three-point line and in. Like if you were going to draw a box like three feet wide from sideline to sideline under the rim, that's where Covington kind of lives in that hell perspective. Mm-hmm. Nance plays more middle of the floor. Like yeah. he pl- he plays like above the dotted line to the free throw line, and that's why I've, I've like if you have both those guys on the floor at the same time, if if you go small ball, I think Cove end up ends up becoming the kind of rim protector because if you look, Cove has a, a ridiculous block percentage for his size, where. Nance has a ridiculous steal percentage, as in, like, league-leading 99th percentile year after year after year. So you get Cove kind of as a small ball disruptor, rim protector, but you get Nance as this absolute terror in the middle of the floor. He reads the pass. Like, Cove, like, gets digs. He reaches in and knocks the ball out. Nance, no BS, plays passing lanes. He intercepts, like, Ed Reed just flips his hips, snatches a ball out of the air, and you're like, how the hell did his big ass grab that? And, it's, and he's one of those guys that gets you to stop throwing to guys. Like, yes, you, you'll see that cross-court, you're like, ah! They're going to second-guess uh, second decision-making. It's going to stop teams from getting out in transition because they know if I headband the ball and Larry's looking at me as I'm bringing the ball up, he's going to jump that. He's yeah. going to take that away. And it's going to blow the play up or it's going the other direction. I mean, that was one of the ways that the Cavs were able to successfully like win some games early in the year when they were missing Garland and Sexton. Like, <laughs> once again, I, I turnover points. Keep... No, no, like it, it yeah, happened a ton. Was there was uh, early on, they had the game against the Nets, mm-hmm. the first James Harden game. Yeah. And it, and it, or sorry, the first game of all three of them together because Harden played one game and had the triple double at 34, 12, and 12 or whatever without yeah. Kyrie. And then all three of them played, and it was against the Cavs in Brooklyn. And I think Nance had four or in five. Cleveland. Yeah, in Cleveland. Was, was that, that one in Cleveland? Okay. So they, they were wearing the black jerseys with the alternate gray floor. So that's, that's, that's what, what threw, threw me off. off. Yeah. Um, they Nance had four or five steals in that game. And. Yeah. One of them was jumping Kyrie on the outside. Two of them were ripping James Harden as he tried to fade right, throw that cross body, cross paint pass. And I think he had another one where he jumped on a KD pass. But they were all, for the most part, in the center of the floor, reading, knowing tendencies, knowing what guys wanted to do. And I think they ripped off 17 first half points off turnovers. Mm-hmm. Like it was. It was, there was a reason they were in the game. It was because they couldn't yeah. hit a damn thing to start in the first half. They ended up winning in double overtime. I, I mean, if you're playing a young team, they may still make those mistakes. But when you're talking about a playoff series and whatnot, teams are just going to stop making yeah. those passes. They, it's going to change the way that they, they approach the game, which, once again, I, I'm going to keep saying this when, because when you're talking Larry Nance, this is really his bread and butter. It's that stuff that doesn't show up. It's the pass that isn't made because Larry is out Which there. Which you just can't quantify. Right, you, you can't. So but, let's let's roll out a hypothetical then. It's Larry Nance, Dame, and Ben Simmons on the court. Are we excited about that? I feel a little awkward. There's some redundancy between what Larry and yeah. Ben bring to the table. <laughs> I would still do it. Like, I'm, I'm still doing it because no. I, I am a Ben Simmons believer. And, yeah. like, Larry's smart enough to make it work. 
Like he, he's <laughs> someone that you can roll out there. He, he's going to make it work with any lineup. I mean, Dan, I don't know if you watched the game, the, the Memphis one. I did. Where, okay, so in that game, Damian that was the great Dotson, thing. In, you only had thirty-five games of Larry Nance Jr. last year, so I got to watch all of them. It wasn't. wasn't Damian wasn't Dotson was the only active guard for the Cavs. They were missing their first, second, yep. and third string point guard. They were missing Sexton. They were missing. They flashed like, the injured graphic, and it took up two rows. And there were multiple times where they had four big men on the floor because mm-hmm. that is all they had active. And Larry was a big part of connecting that and making it work. Now they like, get twelve seven and five at the halftime. Like it was a dumb. It was a dumb game. And, and credit to JB. Uh, for recognizing what they had, not having a practice, and being like, all right, we're just going to defend the hell out of this team, and we're going to find ways to make it work. We're going to we're gonna put know, Larry uh, in the middle of the floor and see what happens. Exactly, right? And he was able to generate some offense. So I, I do think that it, it could work, because it's not like Larry's a high-usage guy, right? Like, he, right. he's going to find those passing lanes, and Ben Simmons is someone that can find him in passing lanes. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard it can find him in passing lanes. So he's a chameleon. He can adapt as, as soon as... He needs to. Right. I, I mean, I say that, but please don't make him play the five because, like, it's just not. like he He's going to play four, four or five minutes there a night. Like, Dude, he, like, he, he can do it, to, but, yeah. like, he's yeah. even said on our podcast. He doesn't like, like it. He doesn't want to, doesn't yeah. want to play the five, man. Yeah. Like, it's, that's, that's a lot to ask out of him, especially. No. Do, you, do you see how this league is getting bigger? It is absolutely getting bigger. Like, the small ball revolution. Okay, uh, let's, let me stop you right there. How tall is Larry? Uh, six seven, I think. There you go, everybody. Yeah. He's he's he measured it in the combine six seven and a half. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah, believe so flat footed, so six eight ish in shoes. Yeah. But yeah. Every, there's so many measurements out there, anywhere from six seven to six ten. All I know is he plays bigger than he is. He's the same size as Roko. Yes. Well, height wise. Height wise. He, he's got probably forty pounds on him. For sure. So and he can also jump the hell out of the gym. <laughs> that, yes, and that okay. That kind of leads me in, in the next thing as far as like on court stuff with Larry. Why do? Why is it sneaky? Sneaky athletic. Why doesn't that holy shit athleticism appear more frequently? Dan, you have gotten old. <laughs> I have gotten old. He's twenty eight. He's not that old yet. Right. But there's miles on the body. Like, <laughs> here's the thing: Have you? Not everybody like, ages the same, Dan. It's true. Yeah, like, it's true. I'm, my, I'm my legs are and dust. I grown. And, and here's the thing: I'm not saying that he can't. He got smarter. Like Vince Carter has talked about this. He can still jump out of the gym. Yeah. He just doesn't like landing. Like <laughs> if you if you don't have to. If you have other ways that don't involve jump, like when you can jump that high, the landing hurts a little more because you're coming down from Especially higher. Especially at his so, size. If he needs to, he's going to do it. But He showed it against time, the Lakers. He, he, you, he put him on the poster over and over again against the Lakers. It was clearly personal at that point. When it is March and you have won 17 games and it is your fourth game in five days, like it's a layup you're line. Not, you're not out there trying to have a dunk contest. Like there's there's a sense of self preservation. Like he's yeah, like it, it jumps out. Like sometimes you forget about it because he's like he doesn't need to rely on his athleticism to be an impactful player. So he's out there, yeah. he's passing, he, he's quarterback in the offense, he's speaking on defense, he's jumping passing lanes. 
Um, he, he's doing all this stuff, and then all of a sudden a ball comes off the rim and he's jumping over somebody to dunk on them. Like, it's really, really fun. He can do a lot of things, but I, I, I think it's just, you know, it's a business decision at that point. Like, you, you, you're not always yeah, no. going to go over the guy if you have another option available. I also think it's really easy for three white guys to go, hey, why don't you dunk over people more often? And we're like, I can't even touch the rim. Listen, I, I sent uh, Justin the clip because I was like, what is this and why has this been gone for 30 games? Because he, he got against the Lakers. He had a tip dunk on Kuzma that was clearly personal. Oh, it like, felt great, I bet. Oh, he came out of nowhere and Kuzma's head is in Larry's armpit and he made it look so easy, so effortless. And then he, he, took, he took another offensive rebound off two and just flushed it. And then he had a hop step, pump fake, step through traffic, and absolutely punched it on Schroeder. Mm-hmm. And you're like, God. Because here's the thing. The Blazers are god-awful finishing on the inside. They are mm-hmm. the worst finishing team in the NBA. And that's not like, oh, Danny hates us. No, it's, you can go look it up. They're a terrible finishing team. CJ doesn't finish. He doesn't go there. Dame is okay. Nurk is one of, well, he's the second worst big man finisher next to Andre Dude, Drummond. Nurk is the most frustrating one. Down no, no, no. Andre Drummond is, is worse. And he just, oh, just no, I'm in, talking about Portland, oh, yeah, yeah. Nurk is. Yeah, yeah. no. Nurk, Nurk is the worst. He's, he's, he's the say, second. You guys signed Drummond? Or <laughs> yeah, no. They're, now you, I've got questions. <laughs> oh, man. That is uh, the second least efficient big man in the league as far as um, finishing goes. Larry, over his career, is a 72% finisher inside of three feet. So yeah. even if he's not just yamming on dudes, he is a significant upgrade in consistency of output around the rim. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And um, I, I do think like some of the finishing numbers weren't great. Like la- last season, the, the offense got bogged down a lot. You, you look at his um, field goal percentage in isolation, his effective field goal percentage in isolation, he was in the 18th percentile. Off of cuts, he was in the 12th percentile. Like, he didn't finish well last season, but I do think that there's context to that. Like, even when you're talking about the flashes of athleticism, it's a guy that missed time. It, it's a, it was a congested season. Like, it, it was hard on absolutely everybody. It was hard on me podcasting, and I wasn't out there running and sweating all over the place. But, I, I mean, like, that was also probably part of the, the decision-making process for the Cavs because that's one of the areas where someone like Larry Markin excels. Like, yeah. he was in the 93rd percentile in scoring an ISO. He was 86th in field goal percentage off cut. Like, uh, the, the, those were areas where they were really strengths. But also, like, when, when you're talking about someone that's not going to be the key cog and he's not going to play with tons of high usage or anything like that. I I don't think that's as concerning, but yeah, when he gets around the rim and you're creating good opportunities for him, he's going to finish. He's got great hands. Uh, If he, all of a sudden he gets the ball in a scoring position and the help comes in time, he's going to read that and he's going to get it to Nurk. He's going to get it to a three-point shooter. He's going to make the right play in those situations. And that's something that's incredibly valuable. So, Justin, let me ask you this. Our brothers to the north, you're a guy that observes not only the Cavs but the NBA. Is Larry Nance, the, when you see that trade happen, Portland gets Larry Nance, do you tell yourself Portland's done? That's the team. Larry Nance is there. They're not making any more. Despite what Vegas thinks about the Ben Simmons stuff, I'm still not ready to buy it until I actually see Neil do that. Do you think that they're done, that this is the team? I don't think about you at all. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Boy, that hurt me. <laughs> 
You, <laughs> you just hurt. asked me when a trade comes through. It is my first thought. Is no, Portland no, no, done? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I just couldn't resist. As you were setting up that question, I was like, I, I, I have to do this. I love you. I, love I have it. to. Uh, that, that's such a tough question because I like when I've talked about Portland in the past, I've talked to Dan about this a, a bunch of times as well. I'm like, sure he's annoyed the hell out of you because. Because at the same time, like, there's some parallels, right? Like, when yeah. you look at Garland and Sexton, Dame and CJ, there's some parallels there. They're the next and, generation of that backcourt. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and there's been people that have said, oh, you know, like, trade Sexton for some future first-round pick. And, like, let's – you can't build around him and Garland. And that's that's not the mistake Portland made. The, the mistake Portland made wasn't trading CJ for future assets before he was on his second contract. It was, okay – once they've grown together and you can see what the limitations are, it's been it's come up in a playoff setting is when you have those opportunities to consolidate talent and make a move like what Toronto did after they hit a ceiling that those opportunities were missed uh, times that they had cap space. They signed it on the wrong guys. They traded a lot of future first round picks for players that helped, but didn't necessarily raise the ceiling. Like Covington would be a great example, like really good fit, but it's not like he put them over the top, right? Yeah. They weren't ready uh, to just ha- be that that piece away. Those are yeah, marginal so, moves. So, so Portland's one of those situations where I, like I've wished well for them and I want things to happen, but it's so hard to get a read on what type of moves they're going to make because if I'm in their shoes and if I got to play armchair GM, no, I'm not done. Uh, but at the same time, like I, I just get skeptical with the, this whole Simmons situation to begin with, because Daryl Morey, like he has strengths, but he doesn't seem to ever factor in the personal side of basketball. And like, it wouldn't surprise me if he wanted to get ugly. Like if it's okay, well, you're just going to miss some game checks and you're going to sit here. And we have this price in mind that, yeah. You teams are going to have to meet, and I'm not moving him for less than that because I value Simmons so highly. Like you look at the the reported asking price with the Cavs, and it was Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Allen, fourth overall pick. Like it was the franchise. Yeah, and for that reason, like yeah, CJ for Ben kind of makes sense, and I, I see where it works for both teams. But you'd have to figure someone's going to outbid Portland. Like mm-hmm. I I just don't know CJ and. What, what is the answer to that? They, yeah. they probably need more tangible pieces, which is why I would assume a, a team like Toronto that has a good young core, they have some good all-star caliber players now, mm-hmm. maybe they want to retool. Maybe Masai once again doesn't want to go for the play-in and you see like Fred or Siakam uh, get moved for Simmons along with some of the, the pieces that they have. So, um like if I'm Portland, I'm not making a move just to make a move. It's always possible that something comes along at the deadline. Like there's opportunities that come out throughout the year, but I'd be looking to make a swing. I'd be looking to go for someone like Ben Simmons. I, I uh, you're both probably going to yell at me here, but I, I would even try to go after someone like Brandon Ink. Someone oh, no, that. That's, that's, that's why would a, we yell at you? I, I, I think, don't know, man. I, space, I can never. Man. I can never you, tell. You, you just said that they should go after a six foot nine wing. You know how many yeah. six foot nine wings the Blazers have had in ten years? <laughs> One. One. <laughs> yeah, like it's you know, I I would be aggressive for something like that because yeah, or, or, or Listen, New Orleans Portland, like it's an awkward fit. If they like, like CJ, pack up CJ and and, and capital and. <laughs> 
Right. Like, and that's the thing. Dustin, take a swing. Gotta, take Dustin, a swing. Take a gamble. Dylan Brooks. I got a sports erection over Dylan Brooks. Uh, that's see, where we're at out here. <laughs> that, that, you know should, that shouldn't happen Can, for Canadians you. Canadians do that. Canadians a... do that to you. What can I God. say, you know? Doc <laughs> and a Canadian. God. Hang on. Hang on. I, I need to clarify for one second. You're talking Dylan Brooks, not Marshawn Brooks, right? Yeah. Don't don't want to okay. mix. We're not going to John Marshawn Hollinger Brooks this. might still be good, okay? I haven't given that up I, that I, You know what? There's always You always have to make sure that it is the right Brooks. You, you got to make sure that your Brooks are in a row here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, like if I'm Portland, I'm taking a swing because at the end of the yeah. day, Dame is a floor raiser. Nance is a floor raiser. Nurkic, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of. I, I like what he brings mm-hmm. to the table. He wasn't as effective last year as, as he was a couple years ago when, when they were Health. really, really good. Yeah. But at, at the same time, like he's still an impactful player. If, I'm packaging other pieces to take a swing at a guy. I'm doing that now because, like, I, I think that would be the type of thing that Dame would respect, right? Like, I've kind of put you on notice to some extent here. There, there's frustration over where things have gone. I, I would get aggressive in just exploring what's out there. Now, I, I, again, I would not make a trade just to make it. I, I know fans think that you can serve a contract to the player and they're like, oh, I guess I'm playing for Portland or, or you, you can offer a 2K deal uh, when, when that's not reality. But I, yeah, I would be a lot more aggressive than they've been so far. It's like even the lack of rumors outside of whatever's happening with Dame uh, to, to me would, would be a little disappointing as a Blazers fan. It's, Dan, it's, let me ask you, can, can I ask you real quick, Dan, yeah. do, do you think the Nance move cancels out any Draymond move coming if that's still a possibility I know that's just rumor no because if, if, if they did it either Cove or Nurk would go to because to make room for Draymond one of those guys would have to go hmm. um, and it just doesn't, doesn't make sense because it's just now that would be a team full of accountability between Larry and Draymond <laughs> yeah no no there. legitimately and it, yeah. it, it, it I, I think it would just it would be really interesting to watch real I'd quick be, I'd be scared not to rotate yeah no 100% <laughs> Okay, just knife hands from both sides. It'd, just, yeah. it'd be great. Uh, real quick, uh, we've had over 120 across all the platforms, so thank you all so much, pretty much the whole show. Uh, I saw Nibble giving out uh, Tier 1 subs to everybody, which awesome. Thank you, man. Um, Fantastic. Ag- again, all the money, all the donations, everything from the live shows, from the podcast, from YouTube this month is going to refugeecare.org. So thank you so, so, so much. Um I'm gonna. We, we've hit on Nance a ton here. I've seen some questions in here. I'm not trying to, to not get in your guys' questions. Justin's just answering stuff and, and filling it in here. So uh, appreciate everybody for for sticking alongside. Um, we're gonna shift gears away from Nance a little bit here. Um, I wanted to get to the Simmons stuff first, but I'm gonna do this because James Pizarsi asked. Ask him if he thinks the Cavs will buy out Love's contract. I don't really want Kevin Love here, but a lot of Blazer fans that would love to see it. So let's just kind of elephant in the room for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Love's likelihood of a buyout is probably pretty strong at this point in time. If I had to guess, I would imagine that it would happen this season. Um, I mean, the reality is, like like I said with Laurie, like, Laurie is replacing Kevin Love in the rotation. Like, Evan Mobley is going to play. He's likely going to start. Jared Allen's going to start. Uh, Laurie Markkinen is going to split his time between those two. And, yeah, there, there might be a role for Kevin Love, but it's a reduced role, and I think there's an understanding of that. Uh, the, the reporting at this time is basically both sides are, are probably open to it, but it's going to take Love approaching the team and giving back some money. So in, until that occurs, it won't happen. I, w- I would imagine. Like, Love's a competitor. I, I, I really feel for him because, especially with him missing out 
of that early stretch last season. Yeah. Like even if he was the previous year's Kevin Love, like look at ni- 1920 Love, like he only missed about seven games and he was effective. That would have made was really still there. That that would have really, really made a big difference, and, and and I really hope that he he can get healthy and whatnot and get an opportunity somewhere else. But like I would just have to imagine that at some point that pro- professional pride kicks in, and hey, let's try to meet in the middle. Let's try to find something that works out. So I I would anticipate that it happens at some point. Or I mean, the alternative is he buys in, tries to you know get healthy, build his way up to be able to play bigger minutes with the Cavs because I mean or be traded is, yeah the, the health is a real concern prove that you can get healthy again maybe earn some more minutes in the rotation and they have to get creative with the number of bigs they have and then you evaluate the options for for a trade or hey now that you've been showcased you might be able to get some more money if a buyout occurs uh, a la what happened with Kemba Walker right so it, there's there's ways for it to go I think it ends in a buyout I just don't know when that's going to occur um, this is going to bring us back to the uh, Ben Simmons stuff here, real quick, because I, I think I'm I'm on board. Brandon, you got anything else on the Love stuff? No, I you know I'm not the biggest fan of bringing Kevin Love in. If you get him on the cheap, then fine. It's, if you get him on a minimum deal, there's yeah. no nobody, nobody should be arguing about Ken, Kevin Love coming to your team on a minimum mm-hmm. deal. On a minimum yeah. deal, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. And, and for all the flack he gets about the public moments that that occur in games and whatnot, like he's been credited like the young guys do credit him for being a really solid locker room guy like Colin Sexton that relationship has actually grown into a friendship where he's texting him after games breaking down film throughout mm. the offseason they're talking all the time um it, it, it he is a really good locker room three two well we had a bit of an audio snafu uh Justin was telling a story about leadership and growing up and it's gone it's lost because it got looped into a weird 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 place through the mix and well sorry only Brandon got to hear it so uh we'll get back to it now and pick back up uh where uh Jimmy Justin is talking about uh leadership Kevin Love and everything else enjoy Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 
were going to be coming to Cleveland directly after LeBron left. Um, so I, I think the thought process was good there. I think he, he wanted to be a veteran. Uh, he wanted to be a leader. But you know what? Like, And he's talked openly about this, so at least this part I feel comfortable talking about. Um, I, I think it was a little harder than he expected. I, I think just the, the way that the, the rebuild went, um, the, the growing pains that you had to go through, it's easy to say, hey, I want to be a leader. It's another thing to actually have to go out there and do it in practice. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I remember uh, even in my junior var- junior varsity year in uh, back when I was in high school, I was one of the only returning players uh, once I hit grade 10. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be a leader. And my dad's like, you have no ability to be a leader. Like, what, what you think just because you're going to be the oldest one on the team? Eh, my dad's brutally honest. Just because you're the oldest <laughs> one on the team, yeah, you're going to be the leader. And, and that wasn't the case. And yeah. that that was something that I went through. And then uh, eventually, when I was in grade twelve, I was captain of the team. So like, right. I, I learned from that. But I, I think, in theory, you're when you're Kevin Love and you're like, okay, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to help mentor these young players. Hopefully we can be a little more competitive than people expect. And then you go through an injury before the season even starts. The following season is another lost year. You're competitive the following year and you're, you can't be a part of it because you're physically unable to like, that's a really tough thing to go through mentally. So I I definitely have sympathy for him from that perspective. Speaking of tough things to go through mentally, Shout out to everybody who stayed through that because that was a loop of saying love and sex and text each other after the game and like eight seconds of your conversation for about <laughs> Maybe two <sexting>. minutes. <laughs> I don't know why it did that. It's the last time I'm using the wait, earpods. Wait, wait. That was on the loop on the pod, so nobody heard what we just talked about? Not until about 30 seconds ago. So there was about a, about a minute that completely went out. <laughs> and... And I thought we made some interesting things. I thought there was really good content coming out. It just out went on a complete loop. I had a and nice like, little personal anecdote. Oh, no. So we, we, we got the back we, end. We got the back end of it. just found out Justin's dad is an asshole in the best possible way. <laughs> None of that made the pod. No, no, no. We so did. We, we, we got the back right. end of that. At we did get the back part. end of that. Right. So th- but there it was went on. It was set it up. You know? <laughs> there was. And the best part about it was it was it was. Like I'm trying to think of it was like um, what are they uh, like like psyops like mm. it was just propaganda just being thrown down. Love calls text sexted after every game. Da, 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 da. Love text sexted you know after there, every. There's worse audio glitches to have there because especially <laughs> with Colin's last name, like love and Colin be sexted. <laughs> But it just kept going, and I'm sitting here trying to fix it. And finally, it wasn't the stream. It wasn't my audio. It was Zoom. Zoom just, like, took a giant dump in the middle of that whole thing. So anybody who's listening now on the replay, I'm extremely sorry. Uh, I'll put the preface in there when you start the show. That at about an hour and five minutes, it goes sideways for about 30 seconds, and bear with us. Dan, you, so. you looked, you, your look on your face for about two minutes, you looked like a kid in Jurassic Park <laughs> who saw a raptor coming, just like. And what you got to do in the edit before you post this in audio form is just replace that with, like, elevator music. Like, good <laughs> no, no, you know what I'm going to do? That's what I'm going to put. <laughs> I'm going to put the Manscaped ad right there, baby. That's what's going in there. And everybody's like, man, why was rude as hell? Why did you stuff a Manscaped ad over Justin's story? And I'm like, ah, you know, I'm a jerk. I, I'm, we I'm, were talking about Kevin Love leadership, and he started talking about trimming his pukes. What's with that? Yeah. I don't know what that is. 
Is your zoom as out of control as your pubic hair? Get Manscaped. <laughs> Promo code. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Jack 20 for 20% off and free world. Jack 20. There you go. Um, <laughs> after that whole thing, thank you, everybody. Everybody's like, audio hype. Um, it's a loop. Oh, God, it's a loop. It's getting worse. Welcome, welcome to Jackception. We get it. They're talking. What the hell am I hearing things? Like, this? the comment thread was just like, what is going on? And I'm so sorry. And again, thank you, everybody. And remember to manscape your jacked Ramses. Um, like, listening to my voice. Is, on a loop like that's a chore that's okay. a chore to begin with all three of us have loop. worked in media do either do any of us like the sound of our own voice i've gotten okay with it i'm neutral oh god so you're a true masochist oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no no i'm sick in the head <laughs> you've seen my tweets you know my work this, this is true 100 percent. you know my work this is not someone <laughs> i <laughs> i mean i even uh... gave a little glimpse of my dad told me i'm not a leader as a child <laughs> Like, that was fantastic. We, we've, we've, we are, we're yes. getting a little bit of my Joker origin story. So yes, I've gotten to the point yes. where uh, I can at least accept it. It I, doesn't make my skin crawl because I've done like so that, much editing over the years. Yeah, oh, I just God. like that you tap into your dark places sometimes, Justin. That's it's a good it. thing. Sometimes you he Show starts range. there. He, he Show some range. He taps yeah. into the light places. He lives in the dark place. Let's, yeah. let's not get twisted. <laughs> uh, speaking of the dark place, uh, we, we've kind of talked about Ben Simmons. We've danced around it, but. I, ha I have to get your, your thoughts on this, Justin and, and Brandon. There was an article from a cross between Gina Mizell and Aaron Fentress, and there was a point in here that made me lose my damn mind. So I want to read it word for word. To, to Where was this published at? Uh, Philly Inquirer, and I think the Oregonian had also carried it. This, this came out earlier today. Okay. Um, I missed this. This is, this is from Gina Mizell's piece of the Philadelphia Inquirer. However, and this is about Ben Simmons and Damian Lillard together on the floor. However, I have been told by some within the Blazers organization that they are not sure how well Simmons and Lillard would fit together. Simmons wants to play the Magic Johnson role, which requires having the ball in his hands. Well, that's Lillard's job. I could see Lillard playing off ball more often, but in the end, it's his team, and he will want the ball the majority of time. That would force Simmons to play a role he isn't used to. It's almost like Damian Lillard hasn't played with another ball-dominant player in his time in Portland. Um... I think I can recall one uh, if I really scratch my brain. I mean, the thing you need to factor in, then, like, I, I understand your rage. I understand how frustrated you are. You're, you're turning as red as your sweater. Right oh, now. my God. I, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, in today's NBA, where the game is slowed down, there's fewer possessions. Oh, like, you just can't have multiple guys that need the ball in their hand. No, I mean, definitely not. You know, like, we haven't seen a team like Brooklyn make it work. And, and also, like, if you're Ben Simmons, you are known for really wanting the ball in the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. which especially when the game is on the line, you want the ball in your hands. That's, you're that guy. That's the, that's the Ben Simmons mentality, you know? Uh, he, he has I need to drop that the guy in the store. You're not that guy, buddy. You're not that guy. <laughs> You're not that guy, bro. <laughs> like, Ben Simmons generates three-point shots at a higher rate than, Better than anybody. anybody in the league. He's Better than anybody. He's that amazing guy. amazing at that. He, he can play off of Damian Lillard really easily. He, there's more than enough opportunities for both of these guys to have the ball in their hands. To me, that doesn't track. Like, it's, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the NBA is. And, like, I'm sure Dame would welcome easier shots off ball i'm sure he'd welcome not having to work that hard all the damn time like who's a better it, downhill off or defense breaker 
in the entire NBA than Ben Simmons not named LeBron James or Giannis Antetokounmpo? Uh, I mean, I have like, to wrap my brain around that one. Colin Sexton. <laughs> The man's fast, baby. <laughs> the man is fast. And on a more serious note, like I, it would be a great fit. Like, is there a better ben fit Simmons, for Ben Simmons than Damian Lillard? In the uh, NBA, is there a better partner for Ben I mean, Simmons Steph. than Damian Lillard? Steph's that's the only one. That's the only one, right? Just just because of his ability to relocate and play off the ball. Like he's got more reps doing that sort of thing. And, and you're just also looking at the infrastructure that you have around. Even if you're giving up some of that for Ben Simmons, obviously, uh, that, that would be the one that jumps out. Um, in a theoretical world, um, Ben Simmons with Kyrie and KD would also be really, really good. Like if, if they had used those assets to go get Ben Simmons instead of James Harden, I could see that really working because, mm -hmm. once again, he's a connector. Both those guys can play off a ball. Um, honestly, like even moving Kyrie, like any, any combination, KD, one of those guys, and Ben Simmons would work. Um, but I, th this... Uh, it just, like... <laughs> it should cause it, physical pain because it's it's a damn near perfect match. Well, I, yeah. look, I, I, I'm i sitting here in a tiny closet. I think I'm smelling Manscaped ball deodorant, but I'm smelling bullshit from the Blazers <laughs> trying to sell me that Ben Simmons can't play with Damian Lillard. This because that's absolute... how this reads. Because this is, this is from a source in Dan, the Blazers when you said we were going to go to a dark place, I really thought you were going to make a Manscaped joke there. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know the lawnmower 3.0 does have a light on it. It, it does, but the 4.0 is what we're selling now, baby. Come on. Now. Oh, but yeah, should, there you go. I mean, we have to be reading that as if the Blazers are basically telling the media we're not making that trade. Here's our bullshit reason. Yes, 100%. Here, right? Thing to keep in mind, because I always, like, we've been around the NBA for a long time. We've been mm -hmm. fans of the NBA for a long time. There's going to be public positioning as well. Because, like, I, I, I understand, like, maybe the Blazers will say something like that to not seem too eager. Like, there's Positioning. so much that goes on behind the scenes like i i almost never read anything fully at face value so i think benefit of the doubt should be extended a little bit because i, I think anybody with two but eyes it's also portland see. and the illusion Ju justin i'd give I, i'd agree with you we're talking about a guy who doesn't take big risks <laughs> so i can't buy that there's any posturing going on the, the way that i phrase this going into it is this reads like an excuse to not move for Simmons? Yes. It, it, it's it's basically you're erecting this straw man to say, ah, you know, I just don't think the fit would be there. It took mm -hmm. me three whole seconds to find the tracking data for how many possessions Ben Simmons use, how often he or how many times he dribbles, how many passes he makes a game, how many shots he takes a game, and the possession data is almost possession for possession the same as CJ McCollum. <laughs> and the only difference is when Simmons it has the ball in his hands and, and he's dribbling and using up that time, he's also looking for other people. He's, he's going to pass the to ball. generate opportunities for other people. His, right? his like, usage rate is almost a third less than CJ's. Right, with, with the same amount of time with the ball in his hands. Like, and, and making that's four, someone, 13 that's more passes a game. That's someone you can put multiple high-usage perimeter players around, yes. and nobody's going to go hungry. So uh, if you're talking about just Damon Ben, that can work. Because you're taking very, CJ very, out of the very, equation. Very clearly can work. You're taking yeah, CJ out of the it's, equation. It's not you're happening without CJ. Let's, yes. let's be honest. Oh, no. no way. No way. No, and it, it, to be honest, it is. there has been two trades for CJ McCollum in his time in Portland that have made perfect sense for both parties. One is right now. 
CJ for Ben would make both teams better, more optimized, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The other one just won an NBA title. That's Chris Middleton four years ago. I think those are the two times where you can be like, because what did Giannis need? He ended up ultimately getting more creation, play handler, uh, ball, uh, uh, ball handling out of Drew Holiday. That w- that ended up being the move and being more defensive minded instead of offensive minded. Yeah. But four years ago, before Middleton really ascended, that was that was the move. Middleton mm-hmm. for CJ. It would balance both rosters. And I think you're in the same position now. Is yeah. Ben more valuable than CJ? Yes. It's not even a debate. Maybe. But if He's you're talking, but if you're yeah. talking about fit. The way I think I have put this down, at least for me, trading Ben for CJ is getting 70 cents on the dollar. But it's more like 80 or 85 cents when you're talking about fit. And the difference is Ben's size and his youth. And both mm-hmm. those things factor into the defense and the things that come along with that. But does that, does that track for you from the outside looking in? Uh, I guess I'm just not as high on CJ as some might be. Like I, I do really like him. My question would be, like, I understand it from a fit standpoint, Mm. but at the same time, one of my questions is, and I I actually do, I would love to have seen CJ at some point, like, kind of play as a lead guard. Like, I'd be really interested. The only time it's happened is when Dame has been down. And he's he's not bad. He's pretty good. His numbers are, it's 30 30 points, eight assists, five boards. Those, that's what he averages with Dame's down. Like, what I would love if I was Philly in a theoretical CJ trade is to get someone like a George Hill when he was younger, like a, a big combo guard that can help run the offense along with him. Because, well, I, I would like to see CJ in an expanded role uh, where he gets to be more of a ball handler. I think he can look better in that way. I, I do think like it would be what else portland's bringing to the table in their offer like i i would want cj plus another proven talent before i'd even consider it like which is funny because pompey suggested that the 76ers would have to give up more for cj yeah i thought that was odd yeah that's i I, that doesn't listen track for me at all for me i think cj cove for simmons is yeah, and, and maybe some draft capital. But there, but but see, to Justin's point, and I think this is the one thing, I think CJ would be really good on Philly in that role, the lead guard role. But how much is Philly taken in the shorts defensively by taking CJ on? I don't think tons. I, when you've like, got Danny Green, Matisse Teibel, Joel Embiid. Right. And, and you can absorb that. I And, I mean, some of this might be wishful thinking with the Cavs translating the Blazers situation, mm. right? Which I th- I think the issue is having Dame and CJ together defensively. Yeah. Where I mean, you could probably make a, a pretty good statistical argument last year that Dame was the lesser defender of the two. But he oh no, that's, so that's much- hands down, Dame was worse than CJ last year. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So we're all on the same page. Yeah. yeah. No, Dame was Dame. That was Dame's worst year since his rookie year. Right, that, but that's he the only brings so much to the better. table where it's fine. Right. Yeah. You can have. I I mean, look at some of. the even the last five years, five, five, ten years, you've had elite defenses have a bad guard defender. Like yeah. the game is not 50 50 at every position. I would say yeah. it's like 70 30 for mm-hmm. a point guard, and it might be the inverse for a center, unless yeah. you're like an outlier, like Jokic, where you really can 
really, really contribute offensively. In You're a an way. offensive engine unto yourself. Right, right. So in general, like I, I think CJ with the right pieces around him, you're not going to be able to expose him in the same yeah. way. You've got someone like Thibel. You've got like a lot of guys that, that can help cover for it. So I don't think you're going to bleed points in that way just mm. because you have one poor perimeter defender. I think when you start having multiple guards that, that aren't contributing on the defensive end, it can have a cascading effect for your mm. roster where all of a sudden front court guys are out of position, rotating, trying to cover for you, and the entire scheme breaks down. I I, I think you can hide one bad de- defender, especially if it's a guard. I, I think there's still the lingering effect of the Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors where you could not have a weakness on the floor. Which hasn't any, existed at any other point damn, in time in the NBA. Nobody can go small ball like that. Like no. Brooklyn is the closest that we have, but nobody can go small ball like the Warriors. Like those pieces fit absolutely perfectly together and I, I honestly i think to circle back to kevin love i think that has had a negative effect on how he's been perceived where it's actually funny like in 2017 and 2018 finals he was pretty like 2018 less so but 2017 yeah. he was effective and he wasn't really exposed in those ways 2016 was just tough for him because he got a concussion game too and, and wasn't himself it was really really good before that concussion um but i i, I think we overthink it just a little bit where you can't have any negative defenders where mm-hmm. really it does come into particularly the guard position. Yeah. Like to- if totally you look, agree. you look around the NBA, there's only a couple Drews. Like there's, the, the, there's not was, that many of those guys. Let, let, let me turn the tables. If it was CJ um, Covington and you had to include a young player, either Simons or little, you, would you be willing to do that? Yes. It would hurt because yes. Portland has so so little young capital, mm-hmm. but but you don't care about young yeah. capital right now. Well, You're in the you, prime of day. You, you in Portland, you have to. That's the thing is you do have to balance that ever so slightly. Yes, be careful. Yeah, I, I I hear that, but like if you if you don't go in on the capital, you're gonna lose Dame. So you go no, in, it is it, it, the capital, and then what happens if you lose Dame? You end up bottoming out anyway and restarting with the young talent. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where I if if the offer gets put down, if the offer is on the table, Ben Simmons is on the table for CJ Kovnas. If it's on the table, do I say yes? Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's good because at, at the same time, yes, you want to care about young capital. But the other thing you have to factor in here is if things go sideways and Dame asks for a trade, mm-hmm. you are getting, getting a, a ton back. franchise yeah. back. You are getting a ton of young capital yeah. and you can only develop so many players. That would be the type of move that you look. You, you say, I'm not moving Damian Lillard until I get a bunch. I get a young core back. I, I get yeah. an Anthony Davis return because he has so much term on his deal and he can fit anywhere. And the when, flip side is you'd be doing it with Ben Simmons, who's also 24 years old. Great point. Great point. Yeah, he, he's under contract as well. Four more, right? so, four, four four years, more years, right? including four this more year. years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, unless he asks who we have playing small forward with that trade. I don't care. <laughs> you figure that out. I mean, if you've got a, if you've got out. if you've got four guys. In Dame, Norm, Ben, and Nurk, you know what I do? Ben is effectively your three, and Larry Nance Jr. is your starting four. Yeah. You that you just listed, like, between Ben, Larry, Nurk. And Norm. Four-plus defenders. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with the first three. I know Norm can play up. <laughs> let, I, I, like, I, I know let's Norm say above, above average. Right. 
I, I was going to say with those three, it kind of gives you some flexibility on who you can play at the yes. small forward position because those guys are able to cover so much ground. Like I think even from a Cavs perspective, like part of the rationale with getting Laurie Markkinen was, yeah, we can't, we weren't able to find a trade where we move Larry for a wing and kind of cleared up that big man log jam. But by having Laurie Markkinen play those minutes and him being an effective spacer for his career, now it's a little easier to play Isaac Okoro at the three. Now, now mm. maybe like we can give Lamar Stevens minutes in a pinch. Like it, it opens up. What it's easier to find to that guy who plays defense on the cheaper end of the market. The which is why PJ you get Tucker's the stars and figure it out late. Exactly. You, with Ben Simmons, and I, I don't think I can exaggerate this enough, he's the best point of attack defender of this generation. He's, he's insane. He's like, insane. There, he is there's exactly, absolutely insane. There's one player I have seen Damian Lillard turn his back against for 40 minutes. It is Ben Simmons. <laughs> he, they, came to, they came to Portland this last year, and, and Ben on the mid, put yeah. him in a straight jacket. Yep. Dame was turning his back before he crossed half court. Dame is one of the lowest turnover guys in the entire NBA for his usage. For him to protect the ball in that manner lets you know everything you needed to know about Ben Simmons in that moment was he is that dude. So for all of the stupid stuff, the off-court, love life, doesn't want to shoot with his right hand, I, I just don't care. I just don't care. Because the talent level, we talk about Larry Nance Jr. being a, a floor raiser. Ben Simmons is hands down unequivocally a ceiling raiser. Mm-hmm. No. Is is there a player in the NBA right now that you think that the the Blazers could attain for relatively that package better than Ben Simmons? No. Better no. On, on par than with Ben Simmons. No. No. So if that if that offer is truly out there, there is zero reason to not take it. If you're talking about truly building around Damian Lillard, yes. The, the only reason to not take it. Is if you're looking at it from a Philly perspective, that you feel you can get more. Oh no, I'm saying if that out there. if that yeah, offer that, is, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like from a Portland perspective, in my eyes, that's a no-brainer. Yes, and, and I, I think the point you brought up about the term he has on his deal is so important. Like that, that is a major factor because things go sideways with Dame. You're getting a lot for him, and all of a sudden. You are a young, promising team with and now top get, twenty. Ben top gets 20, to be top twenty-five player under contract, and you, Game, uh, and Ben gets to be the be number a one facilitator. Yeah, and the team's built around him. Yep, yep. Like it's <laughs> for everybody. It's not that bad of a loss, you know. What I mean, like it hurts to lose Dave, <laughs> but it's like, well, we got a twenty-five-year-old with four more years under contract. Let's see what this dude can do. It's, I mean, as as someone that has lost in in my time, it's yeah. kind of like. I, I, have LeBron twice. I have loved and lost. <laughs> I have loved and lost. What was it like to lose LeBron twice? First time made me a better sports fan because <laughs> I learned to stop living and dying with the results. I fell in love with that Cavs team post-decision, mm -hmm. and that's where I am today. And helped me embrace the, the fun side and to, to look for ways to be enjoyable. The second time, I still get laughed at for this, but I, I was pretty much done uh, with LeBron because... I wanted the other him. Stuff. Well, I wanted him to continue to compete for championships. And when you're with LeBron, you are strip mined of all future assets to go for it. And that's what they did for a few years. Things did not work out. Well, um, well, the things did not well, work out at the tail end with Kyrie. Yes. I was going to say with Kyrie. Yes. Yeah, things did not yeah, work yeah. out. There was supposed to be a little bit of a secession plan there. 
it didn't work out that way. Um, so at that point, Kyrie's already out of the mix, and I was like, you know what? It's just better. Like, let's let's get a fresh start. Cut bait for fine with it. All of it. I I'm ready to kind of invest in another young core, and like, I mean, there there's been growing pains, but at the end of the day, like I, you look at it, Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Mobley, Allen, and now Laurie, like that is fun play that's six players 23 and under basically that are worth caring about yeah to to varying degrees laurie's a a a gamble but you know what like i at least see the rationale behind it and it might not work out but like that's a a really interesting young core of guys that play different positions that in should in theory all complement each other really well which it's a fun spot to be in i mean it's the reality of the league right now, man. Like, I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. You look, look at the teams that missed the playoffs last year and the guys they have on the roster. Almost every single one of those teams has about three or four guys that are either like almost all-star caliber or really worth caring about. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's about not about uh, drafting a star. Like it used to be you draft one star, they get you to the playoffs. They're that much of a floor racer because the talent was so thin. Now it's about maximizing that talent and finding the right guys to supplement the stars that you have. And when you look at the addition for Larry Nance for the Blazers, that's a guy that supplements that talent. Ben Simmons is a star that does that plus. Yeah. He, he is that floor and ceiling raiser. And it's really, really rare that someone like that is available. So if that is an available option for the Blazers, to me, it, it's a no-brainer to aggressively pursue that because at the end of the day, like not, not, it's not just about keeping Dame, but it's just the smart basketball move in, in a vacuum. Well, and it also addresses the thing the GM talked about at the end of the year. We have to be better defensively. But he, it, he it wasn't a factor of the roster. Of the year. Well, yeah, but I, I, I just, it, it would make no sense to not want to go that direction if that's something you truly cared about. I want to get you on this, Justin. We've, we've had you for an hour and a half, and I told you I'd get you out of here sooner. And You haven't I, you haven't texted me yet, you, you monster. Um, yeah. Dan's I'm really polite. good at that, Justin. He's like, hey, 45 minutes, and you're like, oh, it's been 97 minutes. And I, I, I gave him the out multiple times. Look, man. I gave him the <laughs> out multiple hoops. times. Stalking hoops. This is yeah. what it's all about. Um, when you're looking at what the Blazers have done this offseason, it's clearly about the roster, right? When we when, when talk about the, the defensive, you know, shortcomings. When you're yeah. replacing Ennis Cantor, Carmelo Anthony um, with Cody Zeller, Larry Nance Jr. Um, Tony Snell. Tony Snell, who, sure, he's the 10th or 12th man on, on that list is, with, as far as the Hawks are concerned. But, like, you look at this roster, there's really only two guys now who get real heavy minutes who aren't legitimately good to very, very good defensive players. When you're looking at from the outside looking in, have they made enough changes for you for them to compete defensively? Like, are you buying into, yeah, that's enough plus the addition of Chauncey Billups and a new voice in the locker room. It's enough to, like, get them to not be a laughing stock defensively. Yeah, I, I think I think there's there's enough there to, to not be a laughing stock. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to buy-in because, like, I've, I've seen Dame play good positional defense, right? Like, is he going to buy-in now that you have guys holding him accountable, now that you have a, a new voice on the bench? And um, I, I don't think it was Stott's fault, but sometimes, like, a voice kind of runs its course, yeah. especially when you're mm-hmm. working together for a long period of time. I, I, I think they can be 
a, a respectable defensive team. Like, I, I think the personnel is there to do that. Um, we'll, we'll see how Billups uses them. We'll, we'll see well, what type of defensive schemes. Um, I'm personally not a huge fan of, like, the, the automatic give up a switch no resistance like we're just going to switch everything tight defense so we'll, we'll see like what way that they tackle this but i i do think that there's enough there to be a functional two-way team i just I, and like timing is so damn important and and you look at the contender tier of the nba right now i don't see enough to put them in that like i i just I just don't like it. You, you're preaching to the choir. You, you and I have talked about this for years. It's like the, the yeah. best team the Cavs have ever put together lost in five games in the finals. And that's the, the 2017 team. Mm-hmm. And like some of those games were closer than, than that series record, but it's who you ran up against. You ran up against a team that was completely bought in Kevin Durant to a 73 win team. Like, it happens, man. Like, it happens. Timing is so damn important. Like, Tur- Toronto doesn't win a championship if it isn't the right set of circumstances, and there's nothing wrong with that. But this is, once again, building towards a- an- another reason to trade for Ben Simmons. You need to put yourself to p- in a position to capitalize on those opportunities when they come up. Like, Phoenix, great example of that. You add Chris yeah. Paul. You wouldn't have thought that's enough to make it to the finals, and yes, it was a weird season, but it raised the floor to a point that when the injuries did come to other teams and, and they went through their own injury issues as well, but when those injuries came, they were in a position to capitalize. And, and if you're the Blazers, you need to think of it as Toronto 2019. Like we've had this core together for a long time. It's time to consolidate some talent and get a real ceiling raiser and put us in a position that should things break right, we can make a run. Maybe we surprise some people. Maybe, maybe things really, really, really break right, and and we go to the finals. But at least you're giving yourself a puncher's chance. Which, right now, Portland is a good, entertaining team. I'm going to enjoy watching them play. I think they're going to be better on both ends of the floor. But they are not in even puncher's chance tier yet, in my opinion. All right. I uh, I, I want to ask real quick, and this is what kind of we'll end on. Is this anything? Damian Lillard, and somebody, Dimitri, pointed this out to me. I wanted to make sure we got to this. Oh, I know. Damian Lillard liked a picture. Oh, there it is. Of a Photoshop of Damian Lillard with Ben Simmons (laughs) in a Trailblazers jersey. There it is. Is is, is it anything, or is this Dame trolling? I mean, it's probably. uh, Both? Yeah, it's probably a bit of a message that I, I think it works. I, I mean, it's a good-looking jersey. You know, it is a good-looking jersey. It it's is timeless. It's it, timeless. Listen, the new jerseys are, are okay. I'm, I'm not even talking the Rip Cities. I'm just talking about the Blazers. But the red vertical Blazers with the old lowercase font Ooh. is the best jersey in basketball. It is. They never, <laughs> ever bring it out. They s- seldomly wear those jerseys, and they are so good. Hey. So good. This is going to be time-stamped a little bit, but just for conversation's sake. Mm-hmm. So I just saw Amick put a big piece out, a bunch of writers asking and talking about Simmons and likely scenarios. Basically, there is zero mention of Portland mm-hmm. since Dame is not available. They dive into Oklahoma City, yeah. Toronto. No, I, more, more he wants. Because no I don't know he what wants the moon. they give up, but there's no Portland at all at any no. communication, nothing. 
And I don't <laughs> think there will be. Which is, again, why I think it's wild that Portland was listed as 2-1. Two, as two to one. Like, that's... You know, real G's move in silence. Oh, God. I think it's the second time that's been mentioned on this podcast in the past Like week. lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get you out of here, Justin. Thank you for giving us way more time than you should have. Uh, again, I apologize to everybody for the stupid echo about 30 minutes ago. That's all my <laughs> fault. Blame me uh, and Zoom. Um, again, I, I have barely plugged anything other than the charity. Please like, rate, review, follow, subscribe to the Jack Ramsey's podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you want to find out about the Cavs, they're a fun team. They legitimately are going to be a fun team. Yes, this is me entirely selfishly plugging the Chase Down podcast with Justin Rowan, uh, but also because, well, their new best player is from the greatest school on the face of the planet, University of Southern California, and Evan Mobley. And oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> he's good. He's, I, I, am, I am thoroughly committed to him being an absolute monster for his career. I'm jealous of you, Justin, that you get to watch him night in, night out, and get to build around that dude because he was fun to watch in the Pac-12. Ian Garland is that that pick and roll is going to be unbelievable. And watching in watching the tape of watching Larry Nance Jr. watching Garland's growth from the beginning of year when Nance wanted to kill him for for making some boneheaded decisions to seeing Nance go, okay, I've seen you do this a few times. I'll I'll allow you to have that leash. It's Mm kind of like young Damian Lillard. Honestly, it's what kind of reminded me of when LaMarcus was like, "Mm, I need you to slow your roll there, Rook, just a Mm -hmm. few times, and then by the end of the season. I mean, that's one of the most frequent comps that Garland got coming in was that Dame-like player. And then, I mean, to to plug Larry's own opinion, the guy he thinks, at least of of the guys that were there last year, that has the highest ceiling is Isaac Okoro. Like, there's a guys to care about which to, to me it's, is it's what fun really no it is yeah. it is genuinely fun to care about guys and that's I, I genuinely hope that that's what the blazers have this year i think larry nance jr is I, somebody mentioned it the other day i need to go back and look on twitter and find the, the comment because it was perfect was as a 40 year old dad of four is this going to be my favorite player and unequivocally yes larry <laughs> nance jr if you're a four-year-old dad you were going to love larry nance jr because he's going to be pissed off he's going to be after guys he's going to be active he's going to play the right way so, and he's just a great person. It, like, and he's going to show up wearing Crocs and a T-shirt to every damn game. We, we, did, we didn't even talk about that. You, you guys are aware <laughs> of what he did throughout the season last year, right? In what no. Okay, so what he did last season was every single game, he would wear a shirt of a local Cleveland business. And he oh, would wow. donate. He would raffle off his game-worn jersey. And the proceeds would go to that Cleveland business. Okay, no, that's right. I knew about this. His his Crohn's disease stuff. I I know he he's done a ton of that. And there's there's a couple of orgs in Portland, which I'm sure he'll probably start working with very quickly in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but that part I did not know. And again, another reason as a 40 year old father of, or a 40 year old dude in general, you're going to love Larry Nance Jr. Yeah, it's just, and, and the games dude. he missed, he would he'd get one of his teammates' jerseys, uh, game worn, auction it off. So he's he's to- that dude. He, he's that dude. He, he honestly, he, he's going to be missed. Like it's going to be missed to have that guy holding guys accountable on the floor. It's going to be missed having that guy in the community. It, it, he's going to be missed in a lot of different ways. It's it's a risk, right? Like, but it, it, I'm just I'm happy to see him land in what I believe to be a really good situation for him. I, and I think uh, Portland's really going to come to embrace him. It sounds like he's going to fill that Joel Prisbilla role pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I, no, go. seriously. I, I, I think really it's just like the beloved dude who's just a mm. bit of a hard ass, and I and I genuinely yep. like that. All right, Justin, plug whatever you got here, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Follow me on uh, Twitter, I guess, uh, at Cavs Anita. It looks a whole lot better in writing than it does out loud. Uh, find it does sound down- awful. How? 
you know what? We'll say that for later. I want to ask you where that name came from, just because it was just honestly like my my old one was like Jay Rowan, and then I like put it out to Twitter to my followers at the time when I had two hundred followers. I was like, "What should my handle be?" And that was the one that was suggested. And now, like, I don't want to change it because it's just there. It's just that's kind of like Jack Ramsey. That's that's a we we crowdsource the name. People just know it, and then if I change it, I'm going to lose that little check, and I'm I'm nobody. Not worth it. It's just not. No, I, I need that cloud. I need that sweet cloud, baby. Uh, check out the Chase Down podcast wherever you found this podcast. We're, we're definitely there. We talk about the Cavs and the rest of the NBA kind of through our Cavs lenses because at the end of the day, we, we love basketball, man. That's what it's all about. Well, perfect. Thank you so much, man. Sprague, go ahead and plug what you got coming up this week. I uh, got a lot coming up. We got the radio show tomorrow. We'll talk about the Ben Simmons stuff. We got college football so obviously that doesn't really help on a basketball podcast but we got that i got my uh futures show coming up on the betql network on saturday diving into a lot of future prop bets including that ben simmons one and that's the betql app at betql app and not at betql you know what people make mistakes dan we don't need to point them out And rate, subscribe, give all the reviews, and uh, follow me on Twitter at Brandon Sprague. All right. Thank you, guys. Justin, Brandon, everybody who's been here uh, for an hour and 40 minutes. It's been over 100 of you on an <laughs> off-season show talking about a trade that's a week old. You guys are awesome. <laughs> that's pretty thank cool. Thank you. That's pretty damn Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, real quick, want to thank you guys so much. Not just Justin, Brandon. Everybody that has made this podcast launch, we are officially a month old today, and we finished in the top 30 of NBA podcasts for Woo! the past month, and that is way surpassed everything that I hoped for, expected for. We were above CJ McCollum's podcast. We were above uh, Drag him. Uh, see Zach Lowe's podcast. We were above major, Woo! major, major podcasts, and the downloads have been through the roof. The support here on the live show has been through the roof, uh, and I cannot thank you guys enough. Um, Can I? Yeah, I yeah, want to jump echo in. That. Thank you so much, everybody, for the support. It's been amazing. It's great to still get random tweets from people on the podcast, questions on hoops. And you know what? It felt great to be above CJ. I was supposed to co-host that podcast with him, and I got railroaded. Oh, <laughs> that's see, you never hate. You, see, now now we have to be anti-Jordan Schultz. That's just that's just how it goes. I'm anti his dad. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Don't steal the Sonics. Why did you do that? That'll happen, man. All right, thank you all so, so very much. You can find me across social media at Danny Morang. Of course, not on Instagram, at Instagram at D Morang because the squatter will not get off the handle. Just a sad, sad, sad world. Um, like, rate, review, subscribe. If you haven't already, please review the podcast. The reviews are stacking up. Uh, whoever it is that gave me this the one star, thank you. I appreciate it. We, 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 we got to have some haters in there. That's, that's how this works. Uh, if everybody loves us, we're doing this way, way, way too wrong. Thank you. I'm sorry about that. I, I, I meant to give you two. <laughs> oh. Get a balance it out. If you're going to go in, go all the way in. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Uh, We'll be back on Sunday for the Mailbag Podcast. Uh, I am locking in a couple of the players uh, over the next couple weeks before they report to camp. I've got a couple other guests that are lined up to come talk about uh, how Chauncey may or may not do some things. And then during the preseason, we'll have a couple other media members come in from the couple teams that we're playing. Uh, And then we'll be into the season. Holy crap, we have a month to go before actual basketball can't wait man oh god it's 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 it, i know covid screwed some stuff up but the fact that it's such a quick turnaround is kind of nice i'm not hey, gonna lie let me ask you guys this very quickly mm-hmm. healthiest or best the season the league has been position wise since when like how many teams you count that you're like legit title contender really good team that could pull an upset i think the league's in one of its best spots maybe ever like it, 07, in, in my lifetime for sure like yeah, 0708 was probably the only the other time. The talent is deeper of. than ever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
I mean, here, I, I know we basically wrapped this thing up, but one last thing I want to add. One yeah. last thing I want to add yeah. because I, I love to talk. Um, we all do. We, the, we the all literally got thing, paid for it. <laughs> I, I know so many people, like, they, they look at some of the super teams that are forming right now and whatnot. And it is frustrating. It, it is frustrating. But I, I think an interesting wrinkle in all this is you used to see guys join up later in their careers after like their their third contract and team up yeah and and that was kind of the norm like you you're playing with your peers like it's they're a doing it a contract in the league no not even that they're doing it at the same time but they're still effective at that age like yeah. you have guys like lebron is the fourth oldest player in the league chris paul is still effective at his age it used to be you hit 32 or whatever <laughs> and, and <laughs> it used to be um, I, I didn't hear that. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, like guys are staying effective longer. The the science is getting better. So these sure. team ups seem a little more important. But at the same time, it's also being met with the lack of marketing for the next generation of the league because yes. they're not household names. Because that not... top level hasn't left yet. Mm-hmm. Right. They're still because... at the top of the league. I- exactly. So because those names aren't being marketed, it feels like it's a little more top heavy than it is when you do have younger players on really loaded teams with a lot of really good role players that are going to give those teams a Booker, much, Mitchell, much, Murray, Jokic, tougher uh, yeah. challenge than people that are casual and, and only right. really consume the mainstream really understand. So yeah. I, I think the league is at such a great spot and you know what, it'll, it'll be really fun when you see these young teams knock off some of those established quote-unquote super teams which and there won't be any excuses this time there you go which there always will be all right man thank you so much i'm gonna end the stream now guys uh this will be posted up as soon as youtube allows me to pull it because i'm an idiot didn't record it locally so uh i'll have this up there for you guys if you're listening on the replay sorry for the uh the snafu but uh, we'll catch you guys on the live show next week and we'll get you for the mailbag on sunday if there's any breaking news in between there